to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, we are live. Well, not live, but we are in Tampa Bay for practice between the Bucks and Dolphins. Day one, it's in the books. We've got Mike McDaniel's media availability, practice notes, including a pretty strong showing from your Miami Dolphins. We'll hear from QB1, Tua Tungavailoa, Xavier Howard, Emmanuel Ogba, and Keon Crossan. A busy show from downtown Tampa Bay. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So I want to go ahead and set the scene here before we do anything in this podcast, because it's not like the practices that we cover back in Miami Gardens. First, you have three fields opposed to two with dueling offense versus defense. So you kind of have to pick your flavor, except for the fortunate times where the plays get staggered and you can kind of dart your eyes back and forth like you're watching a rally between Mahut and Isner. Who got that reference? If you didn't get that reference, how about the fans at the Tour Championship watching Happy Gilmore's jacket-clinching putt ricochet back and forth between the structure struck by the Craze fan and the Volkswagen? Same idea. So a little bit more difficult of a sight line, but also a really cool opportunity to see how guys how big they are up close and being on that field level. I don't think you ever lose appreciation for how large these human beings are and how fast they move. Jeff Darlington of ESPN once on the fish tank said he's used to have these regular conversations with players back when he was on the dolphins beat about what would happen to me if I played one rep at position X. And the answer was always, we'd break every bone in your body, Jeff, (laughs) just watching the individual drills watching the guys who play outside off the edge work on that one-arm stab and keep the outside shoulder free so you can set the edge and also make a play on the football. Just watching that, you know, a corny, dorky little podcaster and his medium-sized Dolphins polo over there, I'm pretty sure that just that drill alone would send me all the way back to the Atlantic coast of Florida if they put one of those stiff arms into my chest. Something else that will never get old is the sound of pads popping. So appreciation for that was definitely in full force. And during this individual period, you know, we collectively as the media walk back to the middle field and find a spot where we can see the two fields with the offense and defense and the third far fields for special teams. And right behind us, we're on the field, is the fan section. And one of my favorite parts of this job is seeing the level of celebrity the beat gets. And I'm not talking about me, but more so my colleagues. And all camp, we get fans that come up and say, you know, what's up to their favorite writer. I always really enjoy that interaction and seeing kind of that fourth wall get broken, so to speak. But today, however, I experienced a first. So I hear my name, Travis. Not a yell, not a whisper, just someone with an earshot saying my name at a normal volume, Travis. I turn around and to my surprise, it's not an aqua and orange jersey, not a shirt, Nothing of that in sight, as a matter of fact, though there was a nice collection of Dolphins fans out there at practice today. I even heard a Let's Go Dolphins chant at one point, so that was cool. But it's a sea of red behind me, and the voice continues from what I can now tell is the person who is directly behind me in a Buccaneers jersey, 
aviator sunglasses, nothing like Coach McDaniels, and a gator that's covering his entire face. The routine here is always, hey, big fan of the podcast, love your work, I know you're busy, go ahead and get back to it, something like that, and that always makes my day, so please don't stop doing that if you see me. This guy just says, I love your cat. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, me too, she's great. Then he tells me that he has two cats of his own and just loves cats and thinks Kona, who I've tweeted about before, is very cute. So if you're listening out there, and I can't imagine you are as a Bucks fan, but if you are, please hit me up on Twitter because I'm dying to know more context to this very brief conversation we had. All right, enough of that. Let's go ahead and get to Coach McDaniel's press conference. And his first question here was about going up against another team. It's a trope. It's a cliche. It had to get asked, but as coaches want to do, he puts out a great answer for us. Here's Coach McDaniel on facing somebody else in practice. Um, it, the The first part of it is that it's a big deal. You know, you're going against another team, so you just you want that rep. Um, guys are sick of going against each other. Um, generally, 10 days into camp, everywhere you're at, so it kind of brings, it revitalizes um, football uh, to a degree from a practice perspective. You know, we've been practicing against each other um, for a long time. Um, but then outside of that, it's all about how we really, I'm not even that concerned about the actual outcome of anything. It's more whether it's a successful play or if it's a negative play, it's about how we respond um, because uh, you know that this game, that's all it's full of. You're you're never, you're never just uh, anytime you're content or um, anytime you're satisfied with the last play, that's when you get hit in the face and hit in the mouth um, moving forward. I'm going to go ahead and play this real quick because coaches chat there about how you respond reminds me of my favorite song ever recorded. When the punch lands, it's all about how you fall. It's all about how you respond to that adversity. Coach talking about that a little bit there. Next, he was asked about getting a measure against a team like the Buccaneers and how he approaches these practices from a results standpoint. Here's Coach McDaniel. No, I... Every time you're on the football field, it's something I really try to um, to instill in the guys. Every time you're on the football field, it's telling you where you're at. Everything else is fake. It's all made up. So um, it is. A, you're exactly right. It's something that you know you you're excited to see where your team is at um, that day, um, and then whatever that is, can they best handle that? For the, for the next, you know, do you use whatever's happening, successful or failure, you use that for the next day. To me, that's the trick um, because whatever records are in the first quarter of the season, for instance, um, nothing is decided by that. There's countless number of teams that are 4-0 that don't make the playoffs. There's teams that um, start behind the eight ball. I mean, I think I was on a team last year that was 3-5. and five. And we were in the NFC Championship game. So uh, it is all about that day, and it tells you a lot. But then even more so, you get an opportunity to figure out what they're going to use with whatever the result was um, for the next day, which is why we're all so pumped to be here. Again, just this coach that really seems to think about everything in advance. And we'll come back to that here in just one second. I want to touch on him talking about the way the team practices, that you make sure that players understand why anything outside of the whistle is only hurting the team. And there's a lot more implications in whatever you're doing than just yourself. So we're handling in terms of tackling those things the same way we've done in practice. 
where if you have a direct shot on someone, we're thudding up. If you're on the side of someone, you're protecting the team because there can be an unintended consequence about drilling somebody on the side, and then we're tracking angles and tagging off down the field in space. And that's just a good way to keep guys healthy, keep them upright, and it's been an effective approach so far in practice here for Coach McDaniel. How about the balance of getting the plays they want to see versus maybe not showing too much of your hand in the preseason going up against the Bucks? Here's Coach talking about that balance. Again, more insightful stuff here from the Dolphins head coach. No, it's always, you're always thinking about it. Um, there's a, a million different types of decisions that you have to make um, as a result, you know, um, I think. But the, the main focus, it was a little easier for me um, and, and our coaching staff with this, with this joint practice because we just really want our players to go out and, and compete um, with a winning organization um, uh, and put our best foot forward. So, you know, I think there's, a, there's some of that chess match, but at the same time, you know, um, there's a lot of, a lot of overlap in plays in the National Football League. So, uh, you know, putting too much into we can't do X, Y, or Z um, isn't the best thing as well. It's kind of a fine balance. Up next, Coach was asked about what they can possibly gain out of this experience as far as being a first-year head coach and observing how other organizations operate. Well, I agree with Coach here. The good news is, and he says fortunate or unfortunate, that he's been with seven different franchises and coached for about 20 years now. So he has a bit of experience, but here he is opining on that question. Um, you know, I, whether it's fortune or, or, or it's unfortunate, I've been, this, I've been in seven, this is my seventh different franchise. So um, I, I feel like the, the biggest thing is I just want the players to go through the emotions of what a joint practice is especially against a good team. When you're fortunate enough to practice against a good team, um, guys want to do well. And, that, and in that process, one, one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to do well or they're not. And either way, it's our job to make sure that they understand that how do you use whatever happens um, to benefit you moving forward. So I, I, I just want to see a, a group of guys that are committed um, to this practice, which I, I think we all will see that. Um, and then I want to just um, play the, the, car, the hand that's dealt um, after, after, the fact and after the fact and after we watch the film. Let's go back to the question about adversity and how your team responds to that because a follow-up was asked here about how, what have you learned about your team and how they respond to adversity in their first few months here. Here's Coach McDaniel, clearly a big emphasis point for him this year. Um, you know, there... Yeah, yeah. That's such a that's such a big deal to me. That's one of the things that one of the pillars that we talk about a ton. So um, you know, adversity is relative, and I think that we've had um, our own set and, and our own share of adversity internally um, with with little things that don't go the way you want them to go. In that, um, you know, thus far, that's one of the reasons I, I love the guys and love the team is because. Um, they've responded exactly the way that they've been called upon um, at each and every turn. So that in the game of football, like the game of life, now we're moving forward, um, steadily awaiting whatever uh, piece of adversity falls our way um, in the near future because it's not if but when. And when that happens, um, I, I've gained a lot of confidence in how they're going to respond. Up next was my question. I kind of got a theme going in the day with asking Coach about 
getting the team out here a couple days early ahead of time to spend some time together. And since they don't go on the road again until the week two game in Baltimore, basically have five straight weeks in Miami Gardens. What's the value of getting the guys together for a road trip here and having all this time together? Here's Coach. Uh, tremendous value. I, I, uh, we traveled down here on Monday um, uh, before a player's day off um, uh, purposefully because the, this is where you get a lot of camaraderie and, and you know guys have so many things going on in their lives. You spend a week together. Um, there's, there's nowhere to go but um, hang out with each other. And I think that uh, I've, over the course of my career, I've found that to be extremely beneficial and you end up looking back at these type of days when you're reflecting upon the entire season um, and a lot of times this is where the bonds um, solidify which is why it's one of the cool experiences that we're fortunate to do. And how does coach what does coach I should say hope to see from the offensive line in the next couple of days? Well here he is. That's a that's a great question because there's you know like any NFL defense you know, the offensive line play is a game of inches, but every NFL defense has a different way that they play football. You know, the, it's not just X's and O's on paper, like structure. It's how do they defend blocks. And this, this group is um, awesome at coming off the ball. Uh, they, they, amongst the entire league, they're one of the top teams in, in defensive line penetration. They really launch off that, and that's an adjustment um, for our guys which is that I'm not necessarily concerned with the first play or the first period in the game of the NFL or NFL football. It is you're mastering um, the week by week adjustments. So I want to see a progression of, of tailored techniques to what they're seeing. It's going to feel different. We watch, you watch tape, you know that it's different, but you don't get the true feel until it's live bullets and I want to see guys progress as we go and adjust their techniques um, to fit who they're going against, which is um, will be the name of the game in the regular season. One more here from Coach about the open competition potential at the kick returner position. He was asked if there was one, and I love what Coach says here, kind of a chance to double down on a theme he talked about last week about competition at all spots across the roster. No, there's an open competition everywhere. Shame on me if I'm anointing um, for no reason, you know, uh, there's, we're going to, we have a lot of people that have, um, the ability to return the ball in the punt and kickoff game. And during the season, we plan to utilize everyone that makes the most sense for the team. Remember special teams yards are yards, same as defensive yards given up, same as offensive yards gained. So we'll use our players, um, to best, uh, uh, move the ball down the field to score touchdowns or stop other people from moving it. All right, more great stuff there from Mike McDaniel, Miami Dolphins head coach. We get to talk to him tomorrow as well, so we'll have some more on that front tomorrow. But next, a quick break, and then the notes from a busy practice here in Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. 
I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. want to kick off the practice notes segment here with an apology for the perpetual disclaimer, but I know I've mentioned before how tough it is to track 90 players to watch a practice without the benefit of the practice script or the execution of particular techniques and fundamentals and what they're looking for, but with regards to 90 players... Yeah, try doubling that and see how it works out. The tweets are the area that's going to suffer the most these next couple of days, and I know that's a killer for some of you guys, but if you're here, that means you're diehards, and it means you want to get the most information possible, so we'll go ahead and provide that for you. Uh, just in terms of the, t- the tweets, the volume is going to suffer, and there's going to be lots of typos too because I'm on my phone. I don't have a desk or a, a lap even to sit at and put my laptop on, so it's all on the phone. A lot more challenging of a process. We get it done, though, because we make things happen here. I did get plenty of notes. Let's go ahead and go position by position, as we do here on Drive Time. And I just thought the timing between Tua and his receivers, which has been consistent throughout camp, was as apparent today as it has been. You know, a different team, different looks, different play style. For him and the pass catchers to be able to come out and not really see anything crazy in terms of, you know, miscommunication, the ball going one way, a receiver going the other, no egregious balls in terms of location or timing. It just looks sharp to me. And we're going to hear just in one second right here from Tua about the benefit of seeing another team. And this is kind of a theme of practice today because one thing that, you know, we, we talked about this in the notes about how find the check down faster, get through your reads a little bit quicker. If it's, you know, your one's taken away and you know you have a pressure look and you have to account for a plus one in the rush game, like know where that check down is and find him sooner. I thought today's practice was a big, big leap in the right direction for Tua and his growth, you know, in his age 23 season here to take the next step and become a a much better quarterback already at this stage of his career. I thought we saw plenty of examples of that in this practice. And real quick here, I want to go ahead and play an audio soundbite for you guys on Tua and the benefit of seeing another team. Really good stuff here from QB1. Let's go ahead and listen in. I would say I would say technique. Tampa's technique is different than the technique that we faced a lot in, in camp where we get a lot of press man. Uh, Tampa has a lot of off man, you know, off zone. Um, and then they, they have a, a fair amount of disguises with what they do, but... I mean, they're, they're a really good team. You know, I'm, we're very fortunate as a team to come out here and be able to compete against, um, you know, some of the guys that played on the Super Bowl team uh, two years ago. So, you know, it's good work for us, and we're looking forward to tomorrow. And from there, again, that's where I thought he really shined. And it might be a cliche, but cliches are cliches for a reason because, well, they're typically true, right? And Tua talked about replacing blitzes with the football. I thought he did that really well today. No turnovers today. I didn't register any misses in terms of open throws that he didn't hit. I think he took a profit the majority of the time. And as we saw once again, the run after the catch element this team offers makes that not just a safe way to play and a good complementary style of football. It makes you dangerous while also being risk adverse. 
And I don't know about you, but I don't like that. Uh, we saw Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and Chase Edmonds all hit big plays on short passes. The Chase Edmonds one. <laughs> oh boy. He catches a short pass and puts a move on future Hall of Famer Levante David, who is, again, as good as they come. They really kind of served as my morning coffee. I think I said out loud, okay, Chase, okay, keep going. Like he put the, the brakes on and came back a different direction. He just absolutely. He made a move that, that left the, the future Hall of Famer in the dust. It was cool to see. There was one particular play where I thought Tyreek had a step up over the top, and I expected to see the ball coming up over the top. But when I looked back, Tua had to get off the spot, but he did, and he found the underneath option. Again, get off that read, get off that progression, and find your hot when you have pressure. I think the area I've personally seen the most growth with from Tua from last year is the decision-making and play from off-platform situations. And this offense gets him into those situations by design, as Tua himself told us after practice. We'll play that sound clip for you here in just one second. But also, when it doesn't happen organically, I think he's been very solid at recognizing and moving and getting the ball accurately to his guy. He mentioned after practice that that's what he sees in Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, all the greats, the pocket mobility. But here he is talking about, uh, let's see, the question was about the offensive line and their development in general. But here he is talking about the offense and how it kind of benefits him by getting the defender's eyes in different directions. Shoot, I, I, I think they've developed a lot. Um, you look at our run game, it makes it a little harder for guys to to really read keys with the O-line uh, because of how much stretch we do, how much stretch action we do. Uh, so it puts a lot of stress on, stress on not the front guys, but the secondary guys as well with the linebackers, getting them to come up and then, you know, obviously replacing them with, with throws and then also deeper play pass throws. Uh, so, you know, I think we've come a long way. And I think the guys would also say that, you know, we're, we're not close to where, where we want to be, but shoot, it's, it's exciting for the guys. I mean, we've been talking about that pretty much all offseason about how this offensive system can be not just quarterback friendly, but the entire offense friendly, the offensive line, the running backs, the receivers, tight ends, the quarterback, all of it. Back to the potential deep shot to Tyreek and the fact that we didn't see a whole heck of a lot of that downfield stuff we've seen all throughout camp. So Tua did mention, as we referenced earlier, excuse me, the Bucks playing off in this practice. And what's something we talked about all offseason with the speed of Hill and Waddle? Did you guys happen to see Carlton Davis, who was excellent today, by the way, the great cornerback out of Auburn? Did you see what he said about the two Miami receivers? Here you go. A different kind of receiver all around. Uh, he brings something to the game that no other receiver does. So to be able to go up against him in practice, especially like early on in camp, just to help you fine tune your skills and uh, your technique. He was really good today. I'm excited to go back up against him tomorrow. Him and Waddle, you know, they're just two fast, twitchy guys that you just gotta love and embrace going up against them because, like I said, there's no other receivers in the league that can do what they do. No other receivers in the league that do what they do. you got to love to hear that. Let's go ahead and finish up with Tua here and a soundbite about the benefit of being out here with his teammates for an entire week. Yeah, it, it was good. Uh, we got to go out to dinner with a couple of the guys the first night. Also got to actually just, just walk through through the mall with the guys yesterday with a couple guys and then go to dinner again. I thought it was a, it was a pretty cool trip. It felt a little weird because we're still in training camp, uh, but... We're seeing every, you know, we're seeing the guys, you know, on and off day. Uh, that that felt a little, you know, different for us. But uh, it was cool to spend some time and then also uh, be with the guys in preparation, you know, for practice like this. So we were able to talk through some things that 
we don't normally get to talk through until the day of practice. Who's picking up the dinner tab? I actually picked up the dinner tab uh, last night. That was a big dinner tab. There was a ton of back and forth talking about that, how to tip, who's the best eater on the team, who got the Ubers, like tons of stuff there. Go check it out on YouTube. The entire media availability is up there. We also had Connor Williams after practice, and he also talked about the relationship between he and Tua and the responsibilities they have pre-snap together. We heard from Tua on that, but Connor dropped an avatar reference that I thought was amazing. We'll play that in the third segment, but I thought he really did well today, especially seeing a guy like Vita Vea across from him that's going to test your power in the way Raekwon Davis does, and Connor Williams has shown very well in that area. I saw Robert Hunt with a nice block on a big Chase Edmonds run, Robert Jones on a big Savon Ahmed run, Michael Dieter on another Savon Ahmed run, and then finally Kellen Deesh on a Jared Dokes run where he got to the edge untouched. And he rumbled for about 20 yards before someone got over there. If there was one area that was really tough to watch today, it was the offensive line. But in general, though, I thought the pass pro was really, really good, for a, especially for a front like Tampa's. I thought the Dolphins really worked well on some stuff that they would see in game-like situations, given how I think teams might have to account for that speed that you heard Carlton Davis talking about there. If they can get that success in the short to intermediate game, not to mention on a day where the run game wasn't working at the level you prefer. And to be fair, the Bucks forced pretty much everybody they played against last year to just not run the ball because of the best run defense in the NFL. I'll put it like this. What I saw today was a continuation of camp as a whole, a team that has multiple pitches in their arsenal, a team that can win in multiple ways. And that's the part of this offense I think is going to be difficult to defend, that you can win on any given way on any given day. And that rhymes. That's what I have to say. Back to the skill, guys. You know, Chase Edmonds, that catch and run against Levante David was crazy. He looked sharp as hell in the passing game so far. I think Savon Ahmed looked excellent today. He had the juice to win the corner more often than not. Tyreek and Jalen, we talked about them a little bit. There was one player where Jalen's jersey was rolled up so much you couldn't make out the one and the seven on the back of it, but he catches the football and takes it all the way across the field. And I just said, oh yeah, I recognize that blur. That's Jalen Waddle. He just moves at a different rate than everybody else. Everyone besides Tyreek, really. Those guys are... They're different, man. Eric Ezukama had another big day. He looks legit to me. Big, strong, physical at every step. He's very intentional in his route running, too. Not very much wasted movement. He sells his double moves. The rookie's going pretty well. Before the defense, I want to play this audio clip that I forgot to play here from Tua talking about uh, he and Connor Williams. Here's the Dolphins QB talking about that relationship, getting stuff sorted out pre-snap between the quarterback and center. Yeah, it's been really good. Uh, you know, every time we see each other, I mean, I, I sit, I sit by him in our team meetings. Uh, we're talking about, you know, getting the guys going for the day, and then just snap locations on certain plays uh, that'll help us execute the play uh, that much better. And then just our timing with everything. You know, he's taking care of the front. I'm taking care of the back end with things, and just us being in sync. You know, will help this offense go. Okay, so moving on to the defense. Early on, the one-on-ones, I heard the Bucks crowd cheering a lot, and I was watching our guys have some of their own success. You know, the offense should win the majority of those one-on-ones. There's so much more time and space to work with for the receivers. But when we got together for team, I saw much of the same what I saw from Dolphins practice. Wilkins, Sealer, Ogba, they win a lot more than they don't. Sealer had a rejected pass and then a sack on back-to-back plays late in the team period. Ogba had a sack as well. In fact, this is wild. Emmanuel Ogba ended the offense's two-minute drill drive last week in Miami Gardens with Tua in the offense. He did it against the Falcons and Bears in the joint practices last year. And he did it again today. My man loves these pass rush situations where you know you have to get upfield and 
Other teams can't block him. His cross chop move got him in on this one. It was devastating. The heavy hands to turn that corner, man. He's he's fun to watch. Christian Wilkins had two TFLs that I saw. Jalen Phillips had a sack of his own. The defense forced two straight three and outs from the Bucks' first team offense. And a third drive that I think ended before the field goal they ended up kicking if you would have counted the sacks. Like it was sack, sack, incomplete, get the punt team out. But they gave him the completion and got back into field goal range. In the secondary, Keon Crossman was absolutely excellent. I saw three plays on the football from him. I saw Nick Needham with two and another just solid day across the board from 40. Brandon Jones was an absolute presence today. He was there on some short passes and catches to shut that thing down quickly and or break it up right away. Eric Rowe was playing super, super fast today. He made some plays from depth and Javon Holland too. Those three safeties, man, they can freaking get after it. That's kind of a theme of this defense, right? They rally up and tackle in the short game, which makes so much sense because you emphasize run after the catch on offense and they seem pretty well equipped to stop it on the other end as well. Let's go ahead and go last note here. Tua drove the offense down on two instances that I saw them going like full field opposed to putting the ball back where it began. The Bucks defense bowed up in the red zone on the first one. Tua had a nice throw to Mike Gesicki who had the catch on third down, but Levante David flies in there and punches that thing out. But the third down, third down offense converted a lot today. On the final drive in two minutes, they ran a fire drill to get the field goal onto the team or onto the field, I should say. And they just barely did not get the snap off. But they were ready with two seconds left, and Blake had two footballs. Like, they didn't clear the other football out. So he stands up and throws it away, the non-kicking ball, and the officials blew it dead. So, eh, I don't know about that. Jason made the kick. I'm going to count that. So I thought it was a really good day, a chance to learn, get better. But I think the defense, you know, in a boxing-style scorecard, I think the defense won by unanimous decision, and I'll give the offense the decision uh, more of a split, but we'll go like two to one for the offense. That's how I saw this day playing out. That's the end of the practice notes. We have one more segment. We'll play some player audio here from Xavier Howard, Emmanuel Ogba, and Keon Cross, and that's next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Player media after practice. Going to go ahead and just read a couple of sound bites here before we get to Emmanuel Ogba and Keon Cross. And because we did get a chance to see Miami's premier cover corner, Xavier Howard, he was asked how it felt to go up against somebody different today, which again, that question gets asked to everybody. He said, it feels great. I feel like we've got to start fast and finish strong. I feel like we have a sense of urgency around the ball on the defensive side. That's what I've seen mostly. It feels good though to see a different jersey. That urgency he talks about there, again, that theme of pursuing to the football, flying to the football, it's cool to see. He was also asked about, let's see, uh, Byron Jones coming back from PUP, a lot of young guys in that room. What's it been like just working with them, kind of mentoring the young guys overall 
as you transition from a young guy to a real vet on this team. X says, I feel like it starts with me. I feel like I have to set the tone for the guys. The guys are getting better. I feel like everybody's getting better each week. I feel like we just have to keep striving. I have to take that leadership role in the cornerback room and set the tone. Well, he certainly does that. Let's go ahead and play some audio here from Emmanuel Ogba. You know, we talked in the notes about how Miami seems to just understand the how important run after the catch is in the same way the offense does and the philosophy of flying to the football like X just talked about there. We saw it with the safeties, with the corners. We see the short stuff largely stay short because they rally up regardless of the depth that they have to come from and they get these stops. Let's go ahead and go to Emmanuel Ogba who talked about Brandon Jones and the juice he brings. Well, y'all love B. Jones, you know, he come down here hit somebody, um, you know, he brings the energy to the team, and we just want he, him to keep getting better as a young player, just keep getting better every day. So. One last one here for Ogba on getting his hands up and deflecting a football. Talked a little bit about the play that he got the hands in the football here. Here's Emmanuel Ogba. We had a game on, Zach had the guard, we just pulled him. I came through a clean and got the ball, so, you know, I just got in front of the quarterback and just put my hands up because he was getting the ball out quick, so. Absolutely nobody does it like Emmanuel Ogba in that regard. And this defense in midseason form, getting their hands up on footballs. Let's go ahead and finish up with Keon Cross. And I had a fun one-on-one chat with him here a little bit towards the end of practice. Uh, actually, real quick, Connor Williams talked about Frank Smith's experience, and he made a reference to Avatar, saying that the biggest thing that he has to have with Tua is being like Avatar, that connection to riding the horse. That's what him and Tua have to have. And he said they've been forming and feeling that. He's a great coach, a great resource. You can tell him whatever you need, he's there for you. He also talked about Michael Dieter, who came back today. I forgot to mention he had a great block on a big run out to the out to space uh, by Savon Ahmed. He and Connor Williams said that Michael looks good. I think he was really excited to get back, get back out there today. We obviously missed him. He's a great person. He's a great contribution to the offensive line, and we needed him out there. All right, let's go back to Keon Crossan here. I had a conversation with him talking about some stuff, but here he is touching on uh, the idea of bonding with his teammates, kind of filling that theme out today. I think, uh, like I said, I think Coach got a good game plan for us, uh, whether that's days on, off, uh, coming a day early. Um, I think he has a good structured game plan for us, and uh, he sees where he wants the team to go, and like I say, he's, he's got a, a good uh, repertoire of uh, success in his career. So, like I said, we got full trust in Coach, and uh, we believe in everything he does. And um, we just in, in embraced and, and uh, loved on each other yesterday, a little TLC as a team, and uh, it was really, really good. Let's go ahead and finish with a cliche, a trope. I asked him about the advantages of seeing a different team with different fundamentals, different schemes, and how that can help accelerate your mental side of the game. Here's Keon Crossan. Um, you know, it helps. It helps you think a little bit more. Um, it challenges you to uh, push your uh, physical, mental um, uh, stamina because you're tired and you gotta, you know, actually go and look at another another team, new, new formations, things that you probably haven't seen. And uh, it's good because it helps communication with the defense as well. Um, but you know, like I say, it's a challenge, and uh, that's what camp's for. It's to challenge you to get you better and to prove as a team. All right, there you go. I didn't play all the audio there because we're about a half hour long program here on Drive Time. We just don't have time to get to all that. But Connor Williams, Emmanuel Ogba, Xavier Howard, Keon Cross, and Tua Tungavailoa, Mike McDaniel up on the YouTubes. You can find it there, the same place where they got Saul Goodman. Sorry for the spoiler there. That show is incredible. All right. That's going to be my time. We'll come back tomorrow at the same time, do it all over again. In the meantime, you all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast. Rob Conrad episodes up for you guys right now. And Twitter Spaces tonight at 8 p.m. Don't miss that with me, Seth, and Juice, the guys from the Fish Tank. Of course, 
the YouTube channel for the media availabilities, Dolphins Today, Drive Time, and Fish Tank Clips. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. The written notebook is up and live right now. Check that out. Fins up. Caroline, Daddy's coming home in a couple of days, not today. I'll see you in a few days.